This episode is brought to you by Revolver Studios, Portland's own homegrown recording studio and music production house, run by musicians for musicians. Revolverstudios.org. This is the Portland Film Podcast, and I'm your host, Molly Silverstein. Welcome to a special episode of the Portland Film Podcast, recorded live at the 2016 Portland Film Festival. Today, our guest is Nathan Drio, director of the documentary Wizard Mode. Welcome, Nathan. Thanks for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about Wizard Mode? Uh, yeah, Wizard Mode basically tells the story of um, a young man named Robert Emilio Gagno, who's one of the world's uh, best pinball players. Uh, he spends about 26, uh, 26 weekends out of the year traveling all around North America and Europe playing professional pinball. Uh, the tournaments range in size from you know, 50 people to 700 people. Um, but he also happens to be on the autism spectrum. So the film's really kind of a coming of age story um, while he tries to balance becoming the world champion of pinball while also trying to get a job and trying to potentially go on dates and just kind of grow into an adult life. Um, how did you and Robert meet? Uh, me and my uh, directing partner Jeff met Robert originally because we heard um, from some friends of ours in town that there was this guy that was just crazy good at pinball. Um, Jeff and I weren't like big pinball people or anything, but uh, we had some friends who were. And we, so we heard that Robert was just this incredible pinball player. And then um, they also told us that he had autism, and we thought that was kind of interesting. And uh, we were kind of curious to just connect with him because we're always looking for, you know, interesting stories. Um, so I reached out to his family and they invited us over to their house and uh, yeah we kind of just explained what we wanted to do and then uh, it was kind of funny because it wasn't like we weren't nervous or anything but it was a little dry and then they were like you guys want to go to the garage <laughs> and they have like 18 pinball machines in their garage wow so then we just played pinball together and that was kind of just how it all started and from then on it was yeah it was like two years you and Robert spent a lot of time together how did getting to know him inform the film's process um, well, I think one of the things that when, I mean, we're honest about the fact that like we weren't experts on like autism or anything like that when we started the film. So I think we were, when we first started, we weren't sure exactly like uh, what to what to expect from Robert, what we should say, what we shouldn't say. Like we were very much kind of like figuring out as we went. And uh, Robert was very good at being forward with us and being like, you know, guys, like, I know I have autism. Like, we can just talk about this. Like, let's, like, you don't have to be, like, why are you being so shy about everything, right? And that was definitely enlightening for us because we realized, like, okay, like, because Robert's ultimate goal is just to be treated like anybody else. So for him, like, he doesn't, he, he's, he was just like, let's get everything out on the table, right? And the other thing that we realized with Robert was that he's, he has a really funny sense of humor. And yeah. I think that comes through in the film to a certain extent. And I think that uh, as we started to learn his like quirky uh, sense of humor, we started to really appreciate um, him a lot more because we we realized that he was um, he he has like a very unique worldview. And how did you use the film to talk about Robert's experience with autism? Um, well, we really just wanted to create something that would kind of uh, be a positive portrayal of somebody on the autism spectrum. We felt like. In general, that was something that was lacking in, uh, you know, like there, there, there's films that for sure that exist and, and characters and whatnot, but we, we felt like there could be more given the fact that it's um, something that um, so many people uh, either 
ha you know, either are affected by themselves or who have loved ones or who have relatives or something, um, we felt like there just was an opportunity for to create a, a positive portrayal. Um, we didn't want to be really like heavy-handed with it. We don't go. It's not like we like talk about statistics or or you know theories around causes or any of these things. It's really just a portrait of Robert. Because our our real goal was that we figure is that we figure when everyone starts watching the film, they're going to go, oh, this is the you know the the pinball champion autism guy. And then our goal is that by the end of the film, those labels have like gone away, and and the audience just goes, "That's Robert," and that was so that was, it was that was really our goal. Absolutely, it really does feel like a journey. Sort of starts out about pinball and transitions into mm -hmm. insight into who he is. It's, his story is ongoing. So how did you decide where to end the film? Yeah, that was really hard. Um, to be honest, and I think most documentarians have this challenge of like, when do I stop? Um, especially if you're lucky enough, because uh, like we feel very privileged to have gone, gotten the ability to have a subject like Robert. So when you have a really cool subject and person, uh, yeah, like how do you say, okay, we're done now? Um, I mean, in our case, there, it was a couple couple factors. I mean, one, we, we ran out of money. <laughs> you know, uh, it, Wizard Mode was kind of an expensive film for us to make in the sense that we had to go on the road with Robert, right? So we traveled to Chicago multiple times, Pittsburgh. Well, we've been to Pittsburgh like five times in the last two years. Uh, we went all over you know, Denver, Los Angeles, all these different places. Um, so it was kind of expensive, like constantly having to fly to these tournaments. So we, we knew we could only do so many tournaments. Mm -hmm. And our hope w um, was that, you know, Robert would win like a major tournament that we went to. So we kind of just like mapped out what we, what we thought, what, how many tournaments we thought we could go to. And that roughly broke down to a two year period. Um, but yeah, it was really hard. And to be honest, like Robert's story, you know, obviously continues. <laughs> And there's been lots of exciting stuff where you're like, oh man, I wish that was in the movie. But <laughs> I think a, I think all documentary filmmakers probably feel that way. Right. I mean, it's hard <laughs> because this, the script doesn't end. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Wizard Mode really captures the energy of pinball. How did you approach that? Um, well, we were we were super. Uh, the just the aesthetics of the pinball machines was really interesting to us. And we had seen um, some other films made on pinball, and we we had heard from the community, the pinball community, that they kind of didn't feel like those films did a great job of capturing the energy of the game. Mm -hmm. So we talked to a lot of players. Obviously, Robert was a big part of it, and really tried to understand the game uh, and tried to come up with a way to visualize it. And it was actually our editor, uh, Greg Ng, who did who came up with the idea of. Um, filming the, the tables in 4K resolution, uh, even though the rest of the film's just HD. And then he was the one who came up with the idea of then tracking uh, with the ball. So he did all this uh, digitally, and that was like a huge step for us in being able to capture the frenetic energy of the game. Because wow. before we were just trying, we literally had like three cameras. Like we'd film the flippers, we'd film like the whole table, and we'd film like, you know, in some cool insert part of the table. And he was like, that's crazy, don't do that. Just get one 4K camera, and then I'll be able to zoom wherever I want. Okay. Um, and so that really was big, so hats off to the editor, yeah. <laughs> Greg Hing. Thank God you had that idea. Yeah, <laughs> so five things a little bit. Uh, I'd love to hear, did you know anything about the pinball community before this? Uh, not really, and that was kind of funny because um, 
we we when we first went into it a lot of people were a lot of people in the community everyone was welcoming especially like the organizers like we have to give a huge shout out to papa the professional amateur pinball association they were very very supportive um but just the everyday like players that were there were kind of like what are like what are these guys doing because um there was some sensitivity uh a film that had been made previously a lot of people felt like it kind of made pinball look like freaks and geeks kind of mm -hmm. deal um which was not our intention um and then there was also a lot of people were sensitive because of having seen the movie king of kong right. and being like well who's the bad guy like everyone was <laughs> like who's gonna be like robert's rival right so we kind of had to overcome both of those hurdles um and explain to people that we weren't no one was going to be robert's rival right because i wasn't really we weren't like trying to tell this intense like sports documentary <laughs> Um, and also, um, we definitely didn't want to make people, you know, look bad or anything. Or not even look bad, but it wasn't like we were just going to dwell. We, we really wanted to show how uh, crazy and difficult and challenging professional pinball is. Because I think the thing is that a lot of people, when they think of like a pinball tournament, probably just think of a bunch of people playing pinball for maybe a day. But the reality is, is that they play, the major tournaments are often, you know, three to five days long, 14 plus hours a day. It's like this whole crazy endurance game because, you know, if Robert and I play a game of pinball, I'm not very good at pinball. If we play a game of pinball once, I might beat him. Like, he might just get the worst luck that game. That's really? possible. If Robert and I play 100 games of pinball, he'll beat me 97 times. Like, and that's, so that's why they kind of add this endurance element to it because um, it, eliminates, it eliminates chance. Interesting. Okay, and I makes didn't it into, that. like, a serious game of skill. Um, so that was that's some of the stuff we learned talking to the community, and I think that they really once they realized that that was kind of what we were hoping to do, um, they really warmed up to us. And and yeah, I mean we we went to all the tournaments pretty much, and I mean it's it's like a real family vibe. Like the same the same people are at all the same tournaments. Like you go to the tournament, you see the top guys. Um, even the big tournaments like Pinburg, which is seven hundred and fifty people. Um, you know, at least 200 of those people we had seen at other tournaments. So. Okay. Um, how many cameras did you use to shoot, a to shoot the tournaments? Uh, in the beginning, we used two. And then, to be honest, by the end, our editor was like, just stop with the other camera. And so we really? just, well, because there was so much footage, right? The tournaments were like a complete nightmare for the editor because we were, we never knew what was going to happen, right? So we would just have to roll the cameras because we weren't sure whether or not like is Robert gonna lose is he gonna win is he gonna freak out is somebody else gonna freak it's like your way so we just stand there was so much footage of just pe of people just playing pinball and our editor finally was like look I have so much footage that just shoot it with one camera because I have so much b-roll from all these tournaments you've gone to that there's no way I'll ever not you know I'll ever need to cut like a B cam right um, so yeah we so yes to answer your question we started with two main cameras Eventually, we ended up going down to one main camera. But then, in addition to that, we had like all these um, other action like cameras. Like we used DSLRs, we used GoPros, we used like little handy cams, just so we could get cameras into um, into the different hard to get to spots. Because that's the thing is like in a tournament, uh, we couldn't be in the sight line of the players. So in order to get their faces while they were playing and these sorts of things, we had to basically mount cameras onto the 
Interesting. Machines. I was wondering about that because that would be distracting to have <laughs> cameras. Yeah, and they would. They would not yeah. like that. Now when there's twenty five thousand dollars on the line, like, right. no, but nobody wants a camera in their face, <laughs> other than Robert. He didn't care at all. Really? You could like literally stick the camera like next to his face, and think he didn't care. Do you think that's because he was used to them? Uh, I think it was because it was because he was used to them, and also because I think uh, as a whole, Robert, like one of his skills is that he just has like an incredible ability to focus. Um, I think if I were to say like what Robert's biggest skills were as a player, it's that he's able to really focus in and shut down everything that goes, that everything else that's going on around him, mm-hmm. um, and he's, you know, that I think that's why. The camera wasn't even. I've never worked with a subject who was more, like, who just didn't pay any attention to the camera the way Robert does. I think will be very hard to like our next film. It will be really hard to transition back to w- what it's normally like because most people, the camera, there's some. It's hard to make them unaware of it. Whereas Robert, like, he didn't seem to care at all. Wow. Well, well I mean, it's a testament to his focus. Yeah. When he's doing that. Yeah. Um, how did making this film affect Robert's journey into adulthood? Uh, yeah, it's, it's, fun. it's interesting because um, I think whenever you, whenever you make a documentary, obviously you're going like, to have uh, the filmmaker is going to have some kind of impact on the, on the person and the surroundings. And so I think going into this film, we were like, acutely aware of that, that um, Jeff and I would have some kind of, we're definitely going like, to have an impact. Uh, and so we kind of tried to figure out what that would look like and how we could do that in a way that would hopefully be like beneficial to Robert and his family. Um, and so I think what we, um, what we, what we recognized was that uh, when we met Robert, he, there was a lot of firsts in his life that he hadn't done yet. Like he had never traveled on his own without his parents. Um, he'd, you know, never uh, just gone with friends on like a trip or anything like that. Um, there's a lot of, like we always joke, there's a lot of like food and stuff that he never tried. <laughs> and so I think Jeff and I tried to uh, use the film as a way for Robert to be able to uh, get out into the world a bit and, uh, and to be able to do some things that he was uh, wanted to do that he, that he hadn't had the opportunity to do before. Because um, that's kind of our hope was that Wizard Mode could be a bit of a, a vehicle because he that's what he said to us from the beginning was like you know I I, w- I don't want to be as isolated as I've been I want to feel more connected to the world and the people around me so um, knowing that the film was going to impact him no matter what we figured we'll we might as well just like get on board with that from day one and you took a long train trip together yeah <laughs> yeah it's too bad Robert's not here because uh, I love he's really good at telling the story <laughs> But essentially, um, we wanted to film at the Stern Pinball Factory, which is the, it's the only pinball manufacturer in America, um, and they're in Chicago. And so we, uh, I was like, we told Robert, like, we really want to go, like, they're going to have us film. It was a really important visual moment for the film. Um, we were using the Pinball Factory as like kind of a metaphor for uh, Robert's mind, and it was just really important that we get this visual. And Robert was like not having it because uh, he doesn't. Re- he hates flying, mm-hmm. which is ironic considering <laughs> he has to travel so much. And he had just flown. Um, he just flown like twice for two other tournaments, and so he's like, "Oh, I really don't want to fly to Chicago." And we're like, "He's like, if we don't have to fly, I'll, I would love to go, but I just can't do the flight." And so we're like, "Okay, well, it's winter. We're not going to drive. Um, we'll take the train." 
So we took the train from Vancouver to Vancouver, Canada to Chicago, uh, which was supposed to be 47 hours, but due to delays turned into like 62. Oh my goodness. Um, and the irony, the funny thing was, I really wish Robert was here for this, but he, uh, about seven hours into it, Robert and I were in our like compartment together and he goes, I think I may have made a mistake. And I'm like, what do you mean, man? And he's like, I think we should have flown. And I was like, you are not allowed to say that. Like, you have to just pretend like you're enjoying this train trip because that is like, we've got another 50-something hours. Like, And yeah, so, because we ended up, we trained, I mean, we trained from Vancouver to Chicago, got in at night after 60 hours, or whatever, ate food, got up, shot all day, slept that night, got back on the train. So it was and like, did it again? did it again. So it was, um, it was total, because it was the only thing, like we'd already paid for the tickets, like, and yeah, it was just, and also I think uh, Jeff and I were somewhat more romantic about what the train was going to be like, because <laughs> we had done like the train in Canada, which is like, not the best thing ever, but it's like closer to a European type experience. Um, and uh, Amtrak. <laughs> Hopefully, they're not a sponsor of the festival. But Amtrak <laughs> is terrible. I can't even. Like, it was. We couldn't even believe. Like we were like, this is a grave mistake. The food wasn't. It was just outrageous. So it was very funny. But we. Uh, it was good. It was a good bonding experience for, um, for Jeff and Robert and I. That's because we were just literally trapped on this train. So were you filming. Yeah, a lot of the VO that we ended up using in the film um a lot of the vo that we captured and actually came from that train ride um and uh yeah so in that sense it was like instrumental because we were basically trapped in like a rolling audio booth um <laughs> but uh yeah it was it was pretty intense like never again i would never <laughs> coach across america on amtrak ever again <laughs> um what is robert's family like uh, well, Robert's, I'm, I'm, I'm very enamored and so is Jeff with Robert's parents. I find them pretty in, uh, inspirational because when Robert was first diagnosed, uh, with autism, uh, you know, it was the, it was like the early nineties, um, and it was, so things were a bit different than they are now, but he was very bleak, right? Like they were told like, oh, he probably will never talk and he'll never, you know, be able to have a, have friends or a social life and it was like you know it was, it was very bleak and they they were kind of like no like we didn't they didn't believe that and they put in like a lot of work uh kathy robert's mom went back um and got a degree in child psychology uh robert's father Maurizio, like literally I mean, there's a scene in the film where he talks about teaching robert how to speak because robert um couldn't he had a language but it wasn't like the like Eng like it wasn't like english like the rest Rest of us, it was just like his own language, and Robert's dad kind of like, cracked that code, and like syllable by syllable taught Robert. Um, and Robert's parents, by no means, they're not like rich people, um, so they really like put themselves out there in a major way, while also having two other children. So I'm like very inspired by their dedication and um, and yeah, just their just the fact that they maintained a really positive attitude in the face of something that. Um, you know, it's difficult. Have so, they seen the film? Yeah, they went to, um, the film premiered at Hot Docs in Toronto as a world premiere, and um, 
uh, Maurizio and Robert were with us. And Maurizio chose, Robert's dad chose not to um, see the film until like in the theater in Toronto with like 450 other people. Wow. Um, so that was like, Jeff and I took that as a huge compliment because the fact that he trusted us to like just watch the film for the first time in the theater. And he, yeah, he was like full waterworks. It was like really emotional uh, afterwards, really happy. Um, yeah. Like, so that, that to us is like the most important thing, right? Like the most important thing to us, it's like, is that the family, like Robert, Maurizio, Kathy, Robert's sister, Robert's brother, um, that they all, like the film, and and uh, second to that was that the pinball community liked the film. So, and both those people seem to be happy. So, <laughs> we're good. We're good. Everything else is a bonus. <laughs> oh, and how is Robert doing now? Uh, Robert's doing good. He's um, he's definitely continuing to strive for independence. Um, he's been he's been. His, he still has his job, which is actually why he couldn't come with us because there was a there was he's run out of vacation time, um, and so there was a, he really wanted to come to the festival, but then it was um, you know work kind of had to take precedent, which is I think the first time in his life he's ever had to experience that. Right. Um, so that in itself was I think is a kind of a good learning experience, even though it's like crappy. We all would far rather do fun things than go to work. It is. <laughs> Unfortunately, part of life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's doing good, and um, he's he's uh, been kind of he's going to school in the fall, which is great. He's going to take some uh, entry level computer programming courses, and he's uh, also like um, uh, you know actively trying to get out there and uh, meet people to go on dates with, which has That's been uh, which has been interesting, and like we still talk like uh, almost every single day. So. Like, we do a lot of uh, texting back and forth. That's wonderful. Um, what did you learn in the process of making Wizard Mode? Mm. That's tough, because there's a lot of things. So I got to pick one to try and focus on. Um, or a few. Yeah, I mean, I think... Uh, I think one of the things that impacted me, like, the most, I guess, while making Wizard Mode was just... Um, Seeing what I felt like, I guess what I saw happen a lot with Robert was that um, Pete, he would meet people, uh, meet new people that had never met him before, and they would, I think, be able to, I think they would immediately figure out that there was something different with Robert, um, like uh, mentally, and, and it would be like they just wouldn't have time for him. Like I saw this happen so many times where uh, it just felt like Robert would get this like just would just get instantly um rejected and i don't think it's because people are like horrible people i think that for the most part all of us have most people have somewhat stressful lives probably work too much probably you know are occupied with all the stuff that's going on and the idea that because i think the thing is is robert robert to really like appreciate uh, robert and to kind of see like the 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 best of what robert has to add to add to a social situation you need to give him some time and it was interesting to me to kind of see how hard that where rare that was that like how rarely people would uh, give him the time they would just uh, kind of immediately write him off and that was interesting to me because it made me think about like my own life and the way that oftentimes uh, you know um, whether or not I choose to give people time or not 
And uh, I don't know. I don't really have like a. And it was not like I came to, some, came to some sort of answer or anything. But it was just interesting to me to like see that over and over again because I, I recognized that this was something that was pretty, uh, pretty common. And I think it's just maybe symptomatic of like the stress of our society that we have a tendency to just kind of like if anything's going to distract us from what we feel like is most important, like we tend to just be block it out, right? Absolutely. So. Anyways, that was kind of interesting. So. What do you hope viewers will take away from the film? Um, well, like I said, tying back into the idea of how we, we were us really wanting to create like a um, positive portrayal of, of a person living on the autism spectrum, we, we just kind of wanted to create something that um, for people who they themselves or their loved ones or someone in their family is on the spectrum, uh, we wanted to create something that, that, they, that they could see and watch and um, hopefully be inspired by and definitely, uh, especially for kids, like as a tool to be able to say like, hey, look, like here's this person who's on the autism spectrum and, um, and look at like this crazy, amazing, weird, wild life that they live and like just to kind of keep that idea that there's like possibilities and options open and that um, autism doesn't have to be like a label that is like, you know, means that your life is gonna f have to fall into some kind of box because we feel like Robert definitely has broken out of any sort of like box, right? Absolutely. <laughs> so I think that, would, yeah, for, like firstly, I hope that people that um, have someone in their family or they themselves are on the spectrum, I hope that's what they take away. And then for the general population that has never, maybe they've never, had a conversation with somebody that's on the spectrum, uh, we hope that this kind of opens their eyes to, to the idea that autism is really like a spectrum and that there's all different types of people and that, um, and that there, you know, there isn't like any one, uh, it's, I think it, as, a, as a whole, like as a society, it's, we just like to put lab, like labels on things and box things in just because it's like a way for us to organize stuff, right? And I guess this film is like a, a little bit of a shout ag out against that. Uh, let's say like life's way too weird yeah. <laughs> for labels because <laughs> yeah. I mean like here's a guy who's you know he's the is a world champion of pinball he can do backflips on you know in the air and he uh, he also works at a bank and that's pretty all that I mean it's like pretty unusual absolutely <laughs> life's way weirder yeah. than we give it credit for. <laughs> well thank you for joining us today yeah thanks for having us we're really happy to be at the festival so thanks our guest is Nathan Drio, director of Wizard Mode. For more information about the film, visit wizardmodefilm.com. If you enjoyed this week's episode, you can subscribe on iTunes, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, or visit us at theportlandfilmpodcast.com. The Portland Film Podcast is a Portland Film Festival production, produced and edited by Misty Eddy. Our associate producer is Sean Conley, sound engineer Paul Dillon, and I'm Molly Silverstein. See you next time.